Catman do? What the fuck's going on down there? It is episode 407 of WTFTFW. My name on the internet is Vangelis, and everyone else has normal names now. So, hi, Seth. Hola, Moonchacho. Moonchacho? Yeah. I'm from the moon. I'm Max Moon, Moon, a wrestler from the future. Oh, you mean Conan? Was that Conan? Yep. Oh, wow. That's that's even weirder now. (laughs) I don't want to think. Nope. Okay, dropping that. Um, hi, Seth. Uh, hey, as of the time of this recording, guess what tomorrow is? What's tomorrow? It's my birthday. Happy pre- Oh, man, you see, your birthday's right after Friday the 13th, which is what we're recording on right now. Every single year. Somehow. Oh, damn. <laughs> Happy pre-birthday. Yeah. It's so... Okay, so all growing up, having a birthday in mid-May, um... The day after my birthday is my dad's birthday. The day after that was my grandma and my mom's side's birthday. And Mother's Day is always hovering around. Uh, sometimes my birthday would either be the same day or the same weekend of Mother's Day. So I rarely had like my own birthday growing up. Mm. Then uh, when my grandma passed, it was like, okay, well, that's uh, one less birthday. Uh, but now my girlfriend's sister is the same day that my grandma's birthday was. So now, you're so like, now I have somebody else crowding my birthday. You're like, listen, <laughs> watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so we have two birthday shindigs this weekend. Hot damn. One for my dad and I here where we spent a whole lot of money buying drinks and supplies to make um tropical drinks like tiki bar drinks mm. and uh my girlfriend's gonna be mixing up drinks all day we're having a bunch of people over and we bought like a one of those chalk board things like those chalk pens yeah and to have a menu like a hanging menu <laughs> and uh just all kinds of different rums. Like we were hunting like multiple stores for specific rums, and uh, that's going to be bananas. Looking forward to it. I'd invite you over, but you kind of live far away. That's all right. I'll be there in spirit. Like by being in spirit, I'll just—I'm not going to be there actually. I'm just going to be over here. But I'll think—I'll cool. think about how cool it would have been to be there having bananas no, and rum. <laughs> it's never going to cross your mind. It might, it might not. I'm meet, <laughs> meeting up with with a friend of mine I see every couple of years. Yeah, he happens to be in town. He's going to see the the Toronto Comic and Art Festival with some friends of his. But while I'm there, I'm going to think other like, friends. Yeah, he's going with other friends. He came over. This is part of this is part of a longer story that's going to be at the end of the podcast. Oh, I don't want to okay. spoil too much. Um, bananas. I was trying to tie that into the first topic, except it's not about Optimus Primal, it's about Cheetor, so that's going nowhere. Optimus Cheeto. Masterpiece Cheetor is confirmed with a silhouette. Confirmed. I felt it was worth noting because I I think on this podcast I might have said that "Ah, we're only going to probably get the one Masterpiece Beast Wars toy. Expect that. They're doing at least one more, and it's Cheetor. 
And of all the ones uh, who have Generations toys on the Maximal side, he probably needs this the most. So <laughs> I'm super cool with that. The silhouettes look good. Like the silhouettes seemed to be pretty accurate on uh, the Optimus Primal end. And so if they're able to get a cheetah mode that looks like that, where it doesn't have, you know, insane, weird meth proportions, then everything's going to be great. Uh <laughs> But I'm I'm surprised that this is actually on the table. Uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm happy about that. Seth, how do you feel about a masterpiece Cheetor happening? Well, it seems like if they're going to do a second masterpiece Beast War, that Cheetor was probably the safe bet. Mm-hmm. If you were going to guess that they were going to do another one, I kind of wish they did uh, Megatron. But it seems like they're kind of averse to doing villains. I thought. Would have been Megatron as well, but I saw a good case made on Twitter about how this kind of covers the Optimus Bumblebee, um, yeah, you know, range. Yeah, I mean it. It kind of does, but I never really thought of Cheetor as a Bumblebee, um, sort of replacement or analog. I don't usually. I mean, he's he came off like the young guy. But it, it seems more like like Hotspot from Armada was more of an evolution of Cheetor than I think Cheetor was an evolution of Bumblebee. I think, but like more modern Bumblebees are more of an evolution of that. I think the the road to cross is to is to and it's hard for me a whole lot is to see G one Bumblebee as the kid like you know the young guy who the kids connect with in G, in the G one cartoon because he technically was. But in the G1 cartoon, it certainly didn't have the attitude of delivery that we had in, like, 90s and 2000s cartoons. It was more that he's... Oh, well, yeah, it was a pre-Sonic the Hedgehog attitude. Yeah, it's 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 all corny, like, you know, he's the he's the goofball kid character. It's like, it's like that's... Uh, and I'm not gonna... No, I'm not gonna make a wrestling reference. Nope. You're right. It's before the Sonic the Hedgehog attitude. <laughs> yeah. Like, G1 Bumblebee was more like the G-Wiz Optimus kind of a thing instead of, like, the, I'm going to do a sick trick on a skateboard. Yeah. Because I'm a rude dude with an attitude. Buck the authority, yo. Come on, Whoa. kiddo. It's with a B. It's a normal word. Okay. All right. It's with a B. Okay. I almost I, I misheard you there. But, anyway, that's kind of beyond the point whether or yeah. not Cheetor is Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll make sure uh, to bring this up in the Q&A with Takara at the next toy show. <laughs> but yeah, che- uh, but like Bumblebee, Cheetor is in a lot of ways like the the second character. Like, yeah, you're going to do Optimus. And then if you're going to do another good guy, then Cheetor seems like the one to do before anybody else. Yeah. Um, but and, you know, with Masterpiece, they do so few villains. It's not surprising that they didn't do Megatron. Even though I would have liked to have seen how that worked out. I think it's also kind of cool they're doing Cheetor after all this messaging and like the re-releases coming up of the Generations, Rat Trap, and Rhinox. Uh, it feels like they're just saying, like, listen, we're gonna do as much we're gonna do the Maximals, the main Maximals, and we are gonna consider Generations, Rhinox, and Rat Trap to be close enough to the masterpieces to just chill with them. And I'm cool with that, because those two toys turned out pretty good. Um I don't have Japanese Rat Trap, but I have Japanese Rhinox and uh I haven't messed with him for a while, but I recall when I got him, his joint tolerance has fixed all the problems I had with, uh, I think, looser stuff on the American Rhinox. So if they can maintain that, then they could. he definitely would pass as a, a masterpiece uh, stand-in. 
Um, but yeah, that's uh, apparently they're going to re- reveal this figure at the in some show in uh, in June, some toy show. Um, so that'll be neat if they have like an actual great prototype all done and ready to go. Uh, yeah. That means they're trucking on these Masterpiece Beast Wars guys. I am actually, I'm not sure who's working on Masterpiece Beast Wars of all the Takara dudes. I, I'm, I'm wondering if anyone out there has caught like what what designer is is spearheading any of this, if that's even the case. Because I'd like to know. Um, Hasui is apparently busy with the Movie 5 toys and Yuki's doing Unite Warriors. Uh, Kobayashi seems to be focused on g1 masterpiece i'm wondering uh who among them is is handling the beast wars stuff that's my call to listenership because i it might be out there and i probably missed it so let me know now i think we've kind of talked about this in the past but now i'm not remembering because i'm not a beast wars historian so when did the this beast wars like the the cgi beast wars um happen compared to the animated japanese beast wars like the traditional animated like neo oh um i'm not gonna look because i vaguely remember i believe that beast wars second while they were airing their dub of our beast wars they also put out beast wars second and then neo was a sequel series to that but i believe that uh beast wars second was airing when they were getting like somewhere between season one and two of beast wars um I'm only saying that because the Beast Wars second movie like has such crossover. I believe that they were both on the air. I might be wrong, um, but I, they did get the dub before they got their own traditional cell animated series. Yeah, but it, like one of the things that I was never very clear on was how the the CG series was received in Japan compared to the cell, and was there any the hint that they were related to each other or was it two different oh transforming animal shows you mean like as far as the fiction side yeah yeah um the the implication was that beast wars seconds characters knew of the regular beast wars characters um but like because time travel is involved all they really had to say was they know of them and then in the beast wars second movie they use a time portal to bring like normal Optimus Primal over to where Beast Wars Second is happening for like twenty minutes. Yeah, I guess I just always assume that Beast Wars Second and Neo was the Japanese Beast Wars, and Beast Wars slash Beasties was the American, Canadian, UK Beast Wars. It's basically like that. They're supposed to have all come from the same. Cybertron, so this, ostensibly they there would be characters you know of each other, but it was never. Yeah, but in Japan, everything is in continuity. Yeah, everything. This is true. So, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I just always kind of wondered how how much like Japanese Transformer fans even care about this version of Beast Wars to get two masterpieces instead of any of the characters from Second or. Or Neo. Oh, I I think they care like there. I I think it was somewhat like fan request that caused the Beast Machines dub to even happen in Japan. So I think there is like you know there's there is some affinity for Beast Wars over there. Maybe less so for their dub because their dub took a whole lot of uh, liberties with the script, and like even more liberties with the characterizations. Because uh, in the dub, it was just a lot sillier. Um, 
there's I, I was just reading about some of those characterizations the other day but like it's just it was it was I, I don't like using the term, but it was basically dumbed down a whole lot in the dub that they got uh -huh. to make it more of a, a young kid show, which is the the demographic Transformers was aimed at at the time. I could just imagine what kind of wacky nonsense they would do with Rat Trap. Like everyone had a vocal tick that related either to the character or to what animal they were. So they would like pepper in weird stuff. And Optimus Primal had a whole thing about bananas because he's a gorilla. <laughs> Um, were were any of them boy crazy like black arachnia? Uh, no, that or, that uh, was not arachnid. Yeah, I mean, like arachnid. I believe that was black arachnia's voice actor that played arachnid, but I don't think they had like that characterization. Uh, it was it was interesting in that the way that <laughs> because there were those two like weird caveman kids. Well, the. <laughs> <laughs> the way that the way that that Japan uh, thought the series was going to go, the, the way their dub worked is that Tigatron and Air Razor were both male characters. Tigatron was like a Ronin, and Air Razor was supposed to be like his boy ward. And then oh boy. that meant out of nowhere in one episode, they proclaimed their love for each other, and then were immediately <laughs> brainwashed and kidnapped by the Vok. And uh, it made it was apparently like was completely out of the blue. Because they were like, well, we've gone with these characterizations, so whatever. Well, I've heard that there was some stuff between Samurai and Younger. Yeah. Younger, whatever they were called. So they, uh, yeah, they just they just rolled with it. It's just the way it was. It wasn't like a freaky thing. It was just like, it was the culture at the time. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with doing it in the show. As my understanding it's is... It's historically accurate. My understanding is that the characterizations they chose were done before they even knew what was going to happen in season two. So it, it made for this really like, no, it was the plan all along. Well, that's the thing is it, that's it, how progressive they it are. It looked like something that would have been planned from the beginning, but apparently it was like, this is just a real crazy coincidence that this all matches up with that. Or wasn't that also a thing in Greece, like ancient Greece or whatever? Oh, I thought you meant the Grace uh, John the film, Travolta John Travolta film, <laughs> you know, the Samurai and the Boy Award. <laughs> we watched the same film, right? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Summer loving, yes, happens so fast. <laughs> Quote. Anyway, that's all we know. I don't about know. It. Probably happened in like ancient Greece too. I wasn't there. Yeah, it's none of my business. I wasn't there, even I, if I was. I, I'm just nosy sometimes about ancient civilizations <laughs> and their. Sexual exploits. Yeah, you know, I just gotta know. I gotta know for my own nosy nose. Um, but that's all we know about Masterpiece Cheetor. So uh, hopefully we'll know more at the end of June. Now we're gonna do some new picture picks. And Seth, you've got one that yeah. I have an opinion on that I wasn't sure if anyone else cared about, so I just left it out. But go right ahead. Okay, before I get into that, I just want to apologize to the listeners because I've noticed. I've caught myself too late sniffling a couple times. I'm dealing with a bad allergy day, so I apologize if I get some sniffles. Yeah, it turns out it's springtime. Yeah, for Hitler in Germany. Hot um, damn. Yeah, so far it's the allergies haven't been too bad this year, but man, today was a day. Anyway, so there's a third party jazz. Yes, coming. Um. It's kind of okay. So according to the write-up it got here on TFW, um, it's it looks like it's kind of based on the Generations Jazz, 
but it apparently has finger articulation, which kind of gives the assumption that it might be scaled up to masterpiece size. That would go with the other stuff this company's put out so far, uh, which is stuff that's the right size to be masterpiece, but very much like they're doing their own sort of classics-esque aesthetic. Yeah, because the aesthetic doesn't match masterpiece like hardly at all. If anything, like the way his legs look to me, like that big gray block just above the feet, Mm. how kind of separated from his feet it looks. It almost looks like he's meant to be part of a combiner. Like those gray blocks look like somewhere something else would plug into almost. Huh. Like I don't think that he's part of a combiner. That's the impression you're getting. Yeah, it's just and then like who knows with the final coloration, uh, it might look completely different. But just like those gray blocks kind of just remind me of like the connector ports. Mm. on some other figures i really like the plastic Um, colors on this test shot like i kind of hope they stick with those yeah yeah but you know you start adding like paint apps and stuff and yeah yeah. where it goes i mean it's it's a cool looking figure if it was deluxe sized i think i would be more excited about it than the idea of it of it being masterpiece size I'm I'm okay with it being that big if the engineering is is nice and if it has the same bulk as as the other figure of theirs I handled I, I handled two of their figures uh, on loan I'll send you a picture they they're doing a Devastator basically but in this aesthetic that's very like uh, streamlined Dreamwave kind of aesthetic and the end result is a figure like that had this really nice feel in hand and uh, made a lot of use of the space of a figure that large. Um, so I'm I'm okay with them sticking to that size because they they fill out the engineering so well and they have this aesthetic that like feels so uh, thick in hand. Like I want to see how it turns out. I, I'm, it's weird because I also I I feel like I want to start moving away from that size having to be masterpiece. But I'm also like saying that because I'm getting tired of of a scale being associated with the aesthetic for everything. Yeah. Um, cause I've seen people going like, oh, I wish this looked more masterpiece so I could make it my masterpiece jazz. And I'm like, are you the same person who would then say, I don't need this anymore. Cause they're doing an official masterpiece jazz. Like to me, it's like, let these guys just do what they want to do as long as it turns out good. But yeah, it's not going to fit in with your other toys for sure. Yeah. Like, well, just from looking at this and the idea of fitting this in with masterpieces, I don't want to do that because it doesn't look like a Takara masterpiece figure. And there has been some third-party figures recently that do look like they fit perfectly well mm-hmm. with uh the masterpiece figures. This looks like it would fit really great with other deluxes. I wonder or with the luxes. I wonder how it would look with some of the the less shell-ish alternators as well. That's a uh, that's interesting. Like some of the tighter alternator designs, like uh, what's his name, uh, Over Overcharge, the 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 red one with no roof, who had the, they took the gun barrel off his gun when he came out over here. Now I can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. There were some weird names and alternators. He, he was redone as Decepticharge, like that yellow rare one. It's been so long since I've even thought about. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I got so many of those damn things and. 
I haven't opened a bunch of them. I have a bunch of minted box alternators. <laughs> um, not because I was saving them for any reason. Like, this alternator Grimlock is so cool. <laughs> I'm never going to open it. I'm it gonna... was just like, by the time I bought it, I was like, nah, kind of losing interest. I'm going to buy a mansion on these. Yeah. This is investment. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like some sort of financial genius over here. <laughs> Um, Move over, finance men. I'm in charge now. I'm uh, I'm also just happy to see what Generation Toy does when they're not doing Constructicons, because, like, they already accomplished something by making me even give a crap about another third-party Devastator, because their aesthetic and delivery was so good. But I'm like, I was like, okay, please, like, I hope you're doing something after this that is not another thing that I've... That another theme I've seen a whole bunch um, I'm hoping this isn't just like then we're doing jazz. Like I'm hoping this is like oh we've had it in mind to do a bunch of cars. The uh, the Constructicons yeah. are also bulky. I'm curious what their stuff is like when it's you know somewhat sleeker characters. Yeah, I was just thinking with this question of size, it's like if it's masterpiece size, it doesn't bother me that it doesn't look like a masterpiece figure. Mm-hmm. It's it just I think I would. It would seem more exciting if it was deluxe size. Because you do see, like, in his back, it looks like there's a huge hollow section, like, in his in his torso and, like, in his trunk. Um, unless I'm misreading these colors I'm looking at. No, I, I, I can and, see what you mean. Yeah, so when you have things like that, like, empty space like that, it seems more forgivable in a smaller figure than a larger figure. Mm-hmm. Like if, if this was deluxe size, I would look at that and think like, that's an incredible deluxe figure. But at masterpiece size, it's like, eh, it's, it seems bigger than it needs to be. Or it doesn't seem as finished as something I expect at that size. If that makes sense. Yeah, like like my hope with this figure is that this isn't like, it's not like, I'm hoping it's not done, basically. Because uh-huh. what, what I'm hoping for is that they use that space, especially in there, like if, if it's possible. Again, like I, I don't know if maybe they're already using the space really well. That's why I'd like to know how it works. But if there's room in there, it'd be cool if they had some extra unfolding panels or something to, like, you know, like a big panel to fold up and fill in that space on the side, like on his flank. Yeah. Um, that That's the main thing that I, I'm... I'm hoping to see out of this is like some really clever use of space and uh, and some really clever ideas. Like I loved their scrapper. Like I'm the the generation toy constructicons are are figures that if I had like the extra hundred bucks every month while they were coming out, I probably would have collected them. Um, because they they just did really they had really cool ideas and and the feel was so nice. But uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'd like to see the end result on this guy. Yeah, well, like with how his like what you could see like from his back where it kind of just looks like there's some gray flat to his waist and then a 90 degree angle going up to the back of his head Mm. where on the original g1 jazz on his back he had like the whole windshield and roof of the car this kind of looks like all that mass, the the top and windshield of the car looks like it might be all folded up in the backs of his legs. Yeah. So there just isn't 
it doesn't look like there's anything back there. Now, it does look like there's a piece of blue plastic coming off his butt. Like maybe the rear wind or the rear window. Yeah, it looks like there's like at least like a roof piece or something forming a back shell. I'm wondering if okay, maybe that is all the roof and it's just clear. Yeah, I'm wondering if when that's painted, like the visual delivery will look different. Okay, maybe. Okay, yeah. Now that I'm kind of leaned in on the monitor a little bit, yeah, they must have just cast it all in one clear piece and then paint the parts that aren't windows. Yeah. And then that isn't all like the roof folded up on the back of his legs. Interesting. I mean it I I'm excited to see what all this is. Mm. I just think I'd be more interesting in possibly getting it if it was a smaller figure. I mean, I, I'm not going to disagree because speaking to someone who loves the Iron Factory stuff and, and to a degree of the DX9 small stuff as well, like, I love it when, like, engineering is crammed into a tiny space and feels good, too. But uh, I, I admit as well, I think I have a bit of a bias because I like that these guys, for their <clears throat> for their first project, they did, like... A devastator, but they did it like entirely on their own terms as far as aesthetic and size. And I, yeah. I like that kind of moxie in this marketplace where so many companies are feeling like they've just got to follow the whims of the buyers, like to stand out and go like, no, nah, we're just going to do our own aesthetic, like for better or for worse. It's not going to go great every time, but I'll always feel, I think, right now, more warm towards a company that does that. Um because I'm just, I don't know, I'm, I'm tired of seeing people get what they want, I guess. <laughs> to, like, it's just, <laughs> it, tired of people getting what they want. Yeah, I don't know. It feel, I feel like it because it's an independent and like somewhat lawless marketplace, right? Like this gray zone that all this stuff exists in, for it to start becoming so catering uh, and so slavish, it's like that's kind of taken the independence away from the designers, and, and I mean, some designers are completely happy to operate in that space, and I'm not taking that away from them, but I feel like in some cases it's stifling. So when I see stuff that breaks out away from that, I get I get way more excited than seeing like, hey, these guys made a very serviceable thing that could work on a masterpiece shelf, because it's like most of the people excited about this are the same people who will then trash it the moment that they get an official one. So it's like when it, people are buying it to fill a space rather than for the piece itself, and I think that's in the long run, are really, like, a bummer to think about. <laughs> Especially for a designer. It's like, yeah, they like what I made, but mostly because it's filling a, a slot. They're not caring as much about any of the workmanship, really. Hey, consumer, what do you want? Well, you can't have it, because I'm evangelist. That's right. And I don't understand how capitalism works. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> I don't know. You want an apple? Well, here's a banana. You're going to like bananas. <laughs> They're easier to eat. You peel them open. You're going to have this banana because I think apples have been overdone. <laughs> I'm going to get this Fuji apple until there's an official Granny Smith apple I can replace it with. <laughs> Friggin' apple collectors, man. I tell you what. The moment that apple starts turning brown, they're like, I never liked it in the first place. And they throw it out. This mold's been overused. <laughs> <laughs> they need to re-engineer the apple. This mold is getting moldy. Literally, because it's an old ass apple. Uh, but yeah, I want to see. I want to see how that turns out. I'm hoping that they have some news at the TFCon third party panel, if that's still happening. Um, some some interesting new slides to drop in. 
Seth, I got my own. I got I got a new picture pick, and it's an official piece. It's a licensed oh. piece. Uh, it's officially licensed. It's not pirated. Is it, is it that uh that sound wave painted like Lincoln Park? Yes. Licensed. That, that's old news. Superior, superior product. <laughs> Uh, this is, I'd see, I remember seeing a news thing about this long time ago and didn't hear anything. So I kind of figured it was nothing, but a comic cave, who I believe are the lunatics or they, they inherited the lunatic, uh, project of another company whose name I forgot, who hated hot toys that were going to do 5 million iron men that were all going to be like $800 or something. Um, comic cave is like, they actually have done some of those iron man things now, but, uh, they want to do a one to 22 scale age of extinction, Optimus prime diecast figure, uh, won't transform that design can barely transform even in the movie. So that's fine, but uh, it's going to be like 15 inches tall, 50% diecast metal, uh, extend extendable joints, 60 points of articulation, LEDs. Um, and it's 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 of one of my favorite movie designs, which is the latest Optimus Prime design. Uh, the figure is four hundred dollars, so like there's no there's there's no reality right now where I actually go and like put down the money on this. But uh, that aside, like just spectating it as a piece, uh, I think this is fascinating. And uh, if if this thing can come out with a really nice fit and finish and a good feel in hand, uh, that would be fantastic. Unfortunately, I don't know anything about how Comic Cave's stuff has turned out as far as how it feels in hand. Like, I don't know if the hand feel is strong or if it's all rickety and like, no, it's a high-end piece. Just treat it like a museum piece, uh, which is my least favorite attitude towards that stuff ever. Um, but if it comes out as a solid figure like that, that would be really cool. Um, the the Like, what they're aiming for with the end result and with what they want to pull off with the paintwork looks, like, gorgeous. And, uh, like, this Optimus Prime design is a design made to be made into an action figure that doesn't transform, because it's it's so much more just a body shape with armor parts on it than it is, like, obviously a truck that turned into this. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see the end result. Like, I think... I gotta look up what these guys did. These guys might be the ones who released a pretty crazy Hulkbuster, but I can't remember. Uh... But I, I don't know if they have a date on this. Oh, August. Okay, they're aiming for August. Uh, so I guess don't have to wait too long to see how it turns out. Uh, Seth, what do you, what's your reaction to this kooky thing? Well, I didn't know how I should feel about it. Like, I have trouble forming my own opinions. Mm. So I, I look to others uh, to, to form my opinion for me, and then I just parrot what they say. Um, so I scrolled down to the comments. Oh, good. And um, everything you like, it seems like the majority of the people hate. There's some great hyperbole and misdirected rage going on in the comments here. Yeah, there's some great stuff in here where people are mad that this doesn't look like it can transform. And they're also mad the toy doesn't transform. And I don't know how to... I don't know how to connect those points together because it's like, I don't think the toy is like letting you down at all. Well, the one fo one of one of these people, one of these folks, um, is upset that there's no visible truck parts. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else kind of I'm just gonna like cut to get get the gist. Uh, yeah. Uh, he says Bay took a dump on Transformers and then he like 
goes on from there. Well, he, he, and, he, took, uh, a, he took a fat dump, yes. Yeah. Right, and then somebody else replies, This! It always warms my heart to see another true fan on the right side of history. <laughs> oh no, I'm on the wrong side of history! <laughs> right, and you're not a true fan. <laughs> oh no! But, but, These only true fans are on the right side of did history. I, don't, didn't I leave my, my TFW profile saying I'm the one true fan? Doesn't it say that somewhere on my... Well, it's false advertising. No, no, that's because that that's that, that was there before any of these people registered. So it, you know, it's, it supersedes their comments, right? Uh, but more of what I think about it, um, this isn't for me. Nope. This is for somebody else. Uh, I don't know who that person is, but I'm sure somebody out there is super stoked and can't wait to. Give away four hundred dollars to get it. It's almost me. It's really close to be being me, but then it's four hundred bucks, and I'm like, yeah, but, but how much of it? Like, what percentage of that almost you buying it is? I love this design so much. I gotta have this super detailed, gigantic, expensive, non-transforming version of it. And how much of you is just the the curious toy guy that wants to see what the hand feel is. Well, first, thanks for using proper nomenclature. You know, I've, I've faced resistance on that from other people on this <laughs> podcast, and I, I appreciate the support. Uh, I, I, if this thing wasn't at this crazy 15-inch, three-and-a-half-pound scale in delivery, because apparently it's going to be three-and-a-half pounds, it, here's what I'm saying. If this was like a 10 inch tall figure, and if they ditched this stupid die cast idea, uh, thus making it not cost $400, there's a greater chance I'd actually pick it up. But they, they, did, they did the stupid thing again that I, I see a lot in high end stuff where it's like, all right, we've got this, we could probably pull this off at like 200, 250. So now that we're already up there, let's pile in three and a half pounds of die cast. And give it a pointless numerical scale, so it's a, a taller than a one six scale figure, and we'll hit that market. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I get it, but I also don't get it, because, like, as a curiosity piece, even at two hundred bucks, this thing would be in the realm of those three A figures that people have sometimes picked up out of curiosity. Um, and I, I yeah, like. There is, of course, like, yeah, there's part of me that's the curious toy guy, but I also like this design, and I've wanted, I've I've been waiting for the right standalone, non-transforming version of it that, like, would really excite me, and this one's very close, but then they layered on all this bulk and whatnot that makes it more of a curiosity than anything else. Have there been other non-transforming versions of this design? Uh, I think... You said you've been waiting for the right one. Have there been not right ones you've let slide by i believe uh they they also are doing i forgot the name of the of the series now they did that really fancy non-transforming model kit of uh dark of the moon prime and bumblebee way back and that same line they're doing an age of extinction optimus and that just runs into the realm of like i don't really want to build it i just want to get a finished nice figure of this of this design yeah, I still haven't built that R2-D2, C-3PO, and BB-8 model <laughs> kits that I got. I have five unbuilt Star Wars kits, so I stopped buying them. Because yeah. I'm like, alright, clearly this is going to become stupid if I don't ever build these. I'm going to build them, but... Yeah. Well, I just, I don't want the drawer that my dad had when I was a kid. Because my dad used to build, like, model World War II airplanes constantly. Mm. And then it got to the point where he was buying model kits and not building them. Yeah. And the bottom drawer of his dresser was just like 
Tetris level box placement just cram full of model kits that would never be built. Yeah. I, I don't know what he ever I don't know if he still has them. I've I've had I've I've gotten close like I've gotten not not the closet full of Tetris boxes, but I've had the thing of like the little stack of unbuilt model kits and the stack of unopened Lego where I was like I need to stop buying any of it until I actually start using the stuff I have. Yeah, I have a um, bunch of like unpainted Warhammer miniatures. I just noticed before the comments got super mad, the first one was someone pointing out something I'd missed, which is that Optimus has his sword and shield, but he doesn't have the Renfair armor on his arms, thus making the whole right. figure inaccurate, thus making the price point even more ridiculous. I don't get it. No, it's garbage now. Yeah, now it's, it's trash, garbage. Trash garbage, inaccurate. Because it's the wrong arms. It's just like... I mean, what are you, stupid? The, with this figure, on these bullet points, right, I see I see a whole bunch of things that are neat, but I see a bunch of, a bunch of bullet points that turn into extra cost that I feel like are unnecessary and are just gating off something that already I believe barely has an audience. <laughs> like this is this has probably I would say this has more of an audience than those Prime One Studio statues, but only just. Um anyway, I, I would like to see how it turns out. Like I'd love to see what a produced uh piece looks like from the factory at the end of the day. Um, well, and there's even a little disclaimer on the image saying final product might differ. Like, yeah. So who knows what the arms are going to look like when it's finished? Maybe they're going to put hairy gorilla arms on. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe they'll hear us. They'll hear the true fans saying, hey, those are the wrong arms. Get them hairy gorilla arms on there. Yeah, they'll, they'll deliver something for the true fans. Uh, the ones who know that this is the greatest of the live action movie Optimus Primes. Right. Um, that's our new picture pick section. Uh, Seth, we got a listener question. Cool. It's a fresh one, but I... Uh, fresh. I'm going to drop this in from Dorsk812, who says, Greetings, podcasters. First off, thank you guys for exposing me to TFW 2005 and the TF community. On to the question and an example. We're, we're sorry. We're, uh, no, I'm we're... sorry. We're adding to the mass. I mean, welcome to TFW. Uh, after looking at some of those comments on that statue, I'm sorry for exposing you to the audience. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Uh, he goes on to say, I periodically have my nieces and nephews come over, and being kids, all they want to do is play with my toys. I know Seth and TJ also have a similar situation. What is your views on allowing them or not allowing them to play with them? Uh, for me, I usually let them play with most of them, except for the adult collectibles and the rare old stuff. I know many people are against having kids play with their collection, but I am of the mentality that they're toys, dude. Let them fulfill their intended purpose. Let me know what you guys think. So, uh, Seth, what's your outlook on, uh, on smaller relatives playing with stuff? Well, for the most part, the only toys I have out where my niece and nephew can get at them are in the Detolf. And they kind of know not to go into there. Mm. Um, before that, um, I just really didn't have toys out where they would go. Like, they'd be in rooms that were off-limits. Or uh, I just would make sure they weren't out and about. But uh, kind of more recently, since uh, since I first moved in with my girlfriend, so the day we moved to the townhouse that we lived in for the first year, um, my brother brought the family along to check out the new place, and the nephew got into a bunch of my toys that were in boxes, mm -hmm. and 
some of that stuff was stuff I didn't want him to get at <laughs> because it was like some of that more expensive, fragile kind of stuff. Um, after that, we hatched this plan that we were going to have a box of these are the toys that the kids can do whatever they want to. Mm-hmm. So some of it was like me going through my collection and going like, oh, I'll throw in these couple of old Transformers from past lines that I've lost interest in. And then, oh, for the niece, like we let's get some stuff that's a little more interesting for girls and throw some Legos in there and just sort of put together this grab bag of stuff that now when the niece and nephew come over, that box comes out and they can do whatever they want with it. So that's kind of how we've come to handle that. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I've i never really, like, the only time I've been in a position of a kid messing with my stuff was actually when I was a teenager and we had a visitor over who had, like, a hyper-destructive daughter. Uh, so we had to seal off a bunch of stuff, and it was half my call and also half of, like, my mom was horrified by this kid and was just like, I don't really want her just leaving a, street, a stream of destruction through this entire house um other than that i've actually never been in that position really so i don't speak from a place of experience but speaking from a place of having interacted with kids to me i think it's less about like let the kids play with the toys and it's more about the individual kid like is is this a kid who is just if you hand them anything will they be happy if you hand them anything will they rip it in half or are they a thoughtful kid are they a destructive kid like it's kind of down to the individual i think that like the approach of having a box of like the expendables is a great way to figure that out because like if it, you know if it's a, if it's a, a younger member of of the extended family and you don't know them that well you hand them something that you don't really care about see what happens and then if it turns out they're super cool it's like hey you want to see something really cool then you show them a dead body <laughs> don't show them a dead body um but I- yeah well the the way it tends to go with the transformers that are in the sacrificial box is they're in vehicle mode because that's the only thing my nephew seems to care about. And then he'll start messing with it and like half transform it, get to a point where he doesn't know what he's supposed to do next, and then hand it to me and say, make it a car. (laughs) And then I have to put it back into vehicle mode. I forgot that was a thing. (laughs) Um, That you have to deal with. (laughs) He's the only kid who doesn't the like... The only kid in the planet. <laughs> badass robots. He just likes cars and trucks and stuff like that. But uh, for the most part, they're pretty good with the stuff that's in there. They're, they're not trying to break anything. Yeah. I get, like... And the only time it's a problem is when they both want the same thing at the same time. Yeah. I, I, like, I, th- I think it comes down to the kid, you know? Yeah, like it, it's it, the 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 mentality to have is like like just do you, do you care that much about everything? Is there stuff that's expendable? And do you know the kid? Like I, it's, a, it's such a weird thing to approach because like as a collector of toys as well, I think there's also like always that second voice in the back of your head going like you know the ones you really like. Do you want anyone messing with them, or are they like your private stash? I don't know. This is this is definitely be like anyone who's listening who's in a situation to have to worry about such a thing. It'd be cool to hear your outlook. Because um, in general, like, yeah, toys are meant to be played with. So, and, and in general, your stuff is your stuff. And 
you can do with it whatever you want. You don't have to share it. Just don't, yeah. don't be a jerk. Well, when they were over on Thanksgiving, um, one of the shelves in the Detolf is just sort of random, roughly six-inch size figures that I just, like, oh, I'm just going to put a bunch of stuff that's roughly the same size that I think are cool on this shelf, uh, including a Dalek. And I hear my brother saying, well, you have to ask your uncle what that is. <laughs> and then he's like, Uncle Seth, what's this robot? I go, oh, that's a Dalek. It's from a show called Doctor Who. And, and then he just sort of looks at it again. I'm like, do you think it's cool? And he goes, eh, and walked away. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. That's you pretty suck. good. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's just, looks kind of stupid. Like, yeah, well, you look stupid. Yeah, but I, and then like, I like the realization of my brother being like, I don't know what that is either. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I bet you all spell it dr dot and not d o c t o r. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, I hope that answered the listener question satisfactorily. Um. Cause yeah, I always feel like, like I don't, I don't know, like I, I, I would feel weird even with like you know Combiner Wars stuff. Like if I if it's like some like you know six year old nephew I've never met I'd, I'd be like maybe I'll hand them like a rescue bot first and see what happens because you never know like you can always be surprised by the the capacity for insight and the capacity for wanton violence you can find in a child. It's like well now that I have the Japanese version with way better paint, <laughs> let me throw this awful basement bargain garbage version that hasbro pooped out for the untrue the fans <laughs> i like the idea that you say all this to the six-year-old as well before you hand them the toy <laughs> no you're thinking that in your head no you guys just say it out loud this is like this is the trash garbage domestic do with it what you will yeah you could buy this in a store <laughs> you could go to target right now and buy one of these that's how unmeaningful it is you actually keep it in just a bucket labeled trash <laughs> <laughs> um anyways also kitty litter scoopings in there yeah just brush it off yeah and then wash your hands when you're done for it's it. gonna make your kid like it's for their immune system it's fine yeah it's like an inoculation don't be an anti-vaxxer they're gonna, they're gonna get that cat brain parasite sometime yeah. might as well be now <laughs> Start accusing them of being an anti-vaxxer if they don't want to touch the cat poop toys. <laughs> um, Seth, shall we go into what we got this week? Okay. Because uh, I got a thing, and I think you said you got a thing. Uh, is your thing a Transformer thing? No. Oh. It's a robot, but a different flavor. It's not the right kind of, not a true fan robot. No. Um, I got an unofficial true fan robot. <gasps> Parse that. I'll send you a link. I just I just put up the photos I took on Twitter, collected in an album on Facebook, for easier viewing. Uh, I got a me and Facebook. other. You tricked me into going to Facebook. Yeah. Uh, me and some other reviewers got uh, review samples from Make Toys of Pandanus, their gigantic uh, Scorponok-ish robot from their CityBot line, and uh, I've been messing with it a little bit uh, so far, and I'm really digging it. I, but I'll, I'm going to say this 
right up front. I really dug its aesthetic ever since I saw the gray prototype. Like, I can't remember how long ago now, like one or two TF cons ago. And the big thing about this toy is like, it's got a very specific visual aesthetic. And I'm not going to tell you what you like. I'm going to tell you I like it. And then I'll tell you about the build quality. But I'm not going to try to make you like the visual aesthetic. Cause, and I'm not going to defend myself. Because it's just kooky. And it's whether or not you dig it. Like, this thing looks like a Dark Souls boss to me. It's like a giant temple that stood up. And then, like, turns out it has artillery cannons on it. But the, the build quality side of it is pretty friggin' solid. Uh, the joints are, like, badassedly tough. Um, and I'm, I'm curious what the toy will be like a year from now, but it feels like a lot of the time spent on it, given like how long ago the, the test shots have been seen, it feels like they spent a ton of time making sure the joints could survive being on such a large and heavy toy. Um, also, I really like how the toy by its design is really loudly going like, oh, you want me to fit in with one of your collections? Well, why don't you just sit on this nail and swivel around a whole bunch? Cause screw you. Uh, that's that's the attitude I get from this figure, which I really enjoy. Um, He's wearing sunglasses and smoking a cigarette. Well, I mean, he does have a red visor, you know. He's got crimson sunglasses on. Uh, it's just it's a it's a toy that is full of the designer's vision more so than an attempt to appease any audience, uh, which which I really dig. It's what I dig about a lot of the make toys stuff in general is how much of the designer is in them more so than how do they blend in with official toys. Um, so I, going off that thing I was saying before, like, you know, this is something that some would see as a massive negative. And I think that's kind of a bummer that that's the loudest sentiment towards stuff that, that quote unquote deviates so much. Um, it's, it's a really cool figure. There's, there's some downsides as well. I don't know. I don't want to go on forever about a thing that like between the two of us only I actually have, but like the, the main bummer for me, and I think they actually were trying to do something different is like the, the headmaster turns into a little scorpion uh, so it has this scorpion tail that ends up being like a ponytail for the larger robot. And it's like how the links are held together by little like metal chain links. So it's all loose and dangly. I really would have preferred if that was a bunch of ball joints. But I vaguely recall a conversation way, way back that they tried that and it ended up being too fragile. Um, so it's a shame that they couldn't sort that out to be something different because it means the scorpion mode for the headmaster as much as it is also a throwaway kind of extra thing is garbage because the scorpion tail is a keychain uh, and it's it's just limp all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really impressed with it. Like it's an expensive toy. It's a four hundred dollar toy. It's huge. It'll probably cost a lot to ship, especially like if you don't live in the same country as your retailer, the shipping will probably be a nightmare. But the the build quality on it is is hardcore, and uh, there are a lot of really interesting cost cuts throughout the toy, probably to keep it under four hundred bucks. Like a whole lot of things where instead of designing a left and right version of something that they could use symmetrically, they just made one. Which means if you really look for it, you can find screw holes facing one way on one side and the other way on the other side. Um, the only part where that really bugs me is that the claws are the same, like the big purple claws. Uh, they're they're not like two symmetrical pieces it's just the same claw twice and you don't really i didn't notice it till i had it in hand and half the reviewers i talked to didn't notice it till i told them about it because i was trying to figure out if i got an error or not but i went looking back and like there's all this coverage right from make toys where i'd completely glossed over that because it's not that easy to see but um yeah there's little things like that i believe they did the same thing on their metroplex who's in the same product series 
So it's not unprecedented. Um, the meat of this thing is just how dense it is with heavy, sturdy joints. And uh, that, that is a, it is a success in that regard. So I'm going to stop rambling now. Seth, how you doing? But does, does it feel like it's worth as much as a non-transforming Age of Extinction Optimus Prime? It it's, this is the thing. Uh, if it's the same price, does it feel like it's as good as a non-transforming Age of Extinction Optimus Prime who has the wrong arms? This feels like a categorically superior $400 experience. Are the arms correct, though? They they are. Are they cannon arms? These are, like, there are, there literally are, are the cannons? Well, you can see in that last photo the claws have got cannons when I have them mounted on his okay, shoulders. So, so they, they are, are cannon arms. Yeah, they are cannon arms. Yeah. Um, okay, that's good. This is lots of cool Easter eggs on this guy. Like it's not even in it's it's in the videos they put that make toys put out, but it's not even in the instructions that you can take the claws off and there are secret smaller arms folded up inside of them. Secret arms. And uh I put when I put up the picture on Twitter where you can see his tiny, like, you know, smaller hands, I got at least one person who was like, I actually can't deal with looking at a Scorponok who has five fingers. Like it's too freaky to contemplate. Yeah. That person must have a hard time getting through life. Possibly. If five-fingered Scorponok is too much for them to handle, how do they hold down a job? I, you know, most jobs you don't see a five-fingered Scorponok. Like, let's be real here. <laughs> uh, that that kind of sounds like the title of a kung fu movie. <laughs> five-fingered five Scorponok. The the one other thing I wanted to mention is like his the tip of his scorpion tail basically looks like a giant Decepticon symbol, uh, and I remember back when they had the prototype of this guy, the when we were looking at it, it was said the designer really wanted to do it, so we tooled it on the prototype, but we're probably gonna change it. I'm sort of happy they ended up not changing it because it makes this guy's like temple mode all the more creepy looking because it's just got a giant Decepticon symbol hidden up top. It's kind of cool. I don't know. I like it. Um, but that's my on topic. What I got. Okay. Before we move on, do you want to do you, you want a quick example of how my scumbag brain works? Tell me about your scumbag brain, Seth. I must be undiagnosed ADD. I wonder <laughs> that sometimes because this is what happened. So you said he looks like a Dark Souls boss. That was a temple that stood up. Mm. My brain immediately starts thinking. Dark Souls? Really? Would this fit into Dark Souls? I've never played Dark Souls, but it seems like more like medieval like armor and stone monster kind of a thing. Mm. There must be a better example of a video game that this looks like a boss from. I don't know. Could it be? I don't know. I'm thinking of games. Uh, Mass Effect? Would he fit into Mass Effect? No, the aesthetic wouldn't really work in Mass Effect. Oh yeah, Great America, they have that Mass Effect ride now, and that's not that far away. I mean, it's a day trip to get to Great America from here. I wonder if it's even worth going to Great America to try that Mass Effect ride. (laughs) Oh yeah, on Giant Bomb, they had that dude write in a letter saying that he got to ride the Mass Effect ride like a couple weeks early. And he said that there was a reference to Shepard. Does the average public that goes to theme parks and stuff... Do they know enough about Mass Effect or even care enough about Mass Effect that a reference to Shepard would even make a difference to them? Who is this ride for anyway? (laughs) And then I realized how far off I had wandered in my mind. And then I was just like, oh, I should snap out of this. To be fair, you're asking (laughs) questions I've asked when I heard the phrase, there's a Mass Effect ride. 
Yeah, but that all came from you saying he looks like a Dark Souls boss. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out <laughs> if a reference to Commander Shepard is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> is it all worth it? <laughs> or am I the problem? Uh, the only other thing I wanted to say is you see that picture where it has that card that says warning on it? Uh, click, click, click. Yes. So if you if you read some of that, that's actually warning you that the toy might injure you if you mishandle it. Would you believe that I looked at that warning and I scoffed? And then while transforming him for the first time, <laughs> I was Sucker. holding up this giant heavy toy thinking nothing's going to happen. And then gravity came in and his leg joint sandwiched around my entire hand. <laughs> and I went like, oh, God, I should have listened to the warning. <laughs> so heed the warning when they give you a warning that big. That's the size of the instruction book. Um. Oh, the warning's misleading, because the toy's not actually complex to transform. It's pretty simple. It's just, like, it's heavy, and there's a lot of ratchet joints. The instructions are great. They even tell you, like, move this four clicks. And I'm like, thank you for finally saying it, because everyone should say this on a transforming toy with ratchets, because it should be the same number of clicks on every copy of the toy. They're like, move the legs four clicks this way, and then move them around, and everything will line up. And it does! Huh. That's pretty neat. Yeah, more people should be doing that. That's an attention to detail. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Seth, do you have any other any other stuff you wanted to throw out there about Mass Effect? No. All right. Well, I do, but uh, nah. I'll save it for another time. Anything about this pandanus thing? Pa- pandas? Pandas. Anything about Panda pandas? Express. Well, uh, Panda I, Express. I really like the black pepper chicken they have at Panda Express. It's pretty good. Really? I mean, all things considered. I mean, I'm not saying that it's gourmet Chinese food, but if you're going to have the cheap mall Chinese food, their black pepper chicken isn't terrible. I just feel like I've had better cheap mall Chinese food. Oh, you probably have, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, the, if we're talking about Panda Express... Like I, I, I'm, chicken's all right there. I'm realizing I'm 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 like I'm unconsciously putting you in the position of actually having to stand up for Panda Express, which I don't want to do. I don't want to make anyone have to do that. When they opened a standalone Panda Express here in Petaluma, that wasn't just like a booth in a mall food court. I thought that's weird. <laughs> Isn't it just supposed to be like a? section of a food court did, did you then have the thought process of hey i bet it's better in there no i just thought it was weird because uh, part of me if i would see like suddenly a sit-down version of something like that i'd be like hey maybe that's the good one the gourmet version well it's not like they bring you a menu oh uh, you still walk up to the counter and you go i want that one and that one and then they scoop it. I want two meats and a rice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, my thoughts on <laughs> this fake-ass Scorponok. Pandanus, by um, the way, is a genus of scorpion. I had to look that up because I was like, there has to be a reason why he has this weird name. Of course. Yeah. The panda scorpion. Yeah. Everyone knows it. It's cute. It eats bamboo. Yeah. Well, it stabs bamboo with its tail. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't eat actually it. eat it doesn't actually eat the bamboo <laughs> come on it's still a scorpion scorpions are too rad to eat bamboo they eat like other bugs and stuff too rad <laughs> yeah um i think it's very impressive looking but especially with a 400 hundred dollar price tag it's something i don't need 
Yeah. I think it's but interesting. It does look impressive. It's interest. It struck me as interesting. They sent out so many review copies of this, and then I realized that's actually pretty smart because this way, when the toy comes out, it'll have the conversation going on that an eighty dollar toy would have going on because there will be so much coverage of it. Whereas if it came out and no one had done any coverage, it would just be an army of gun shy people who don't want to be the first one to buy it because that's what happened with. That's what happens with like every hugely expensive thing that goes past the $300 mark. Or did they make 20 of them realize we're not going to be able to sell these? Stop producing. <laughs> we'll send 15 of them out yeah. to reviewers and hopefully we'll sell the other 5. Turns out we can we can make the money back on these other <laughs> these other 5. Um yeah, I I hope I hope this turns out well for them because there's so much love from the designer in what whatever he or she was doing with this design. Like this is clearly a <laughs> whatever they were. This is this whatever is, they were doing. This is a this you, is a, you were like so glowing about the whole thing until you got to that point. Then you're like you know whatever they were doing. I I don't want to I don't want to have suppositions, but I <laughs> I like it when something like this comes out when clearly it's like there's there's no marketing reason you can put behind this coming out. This is a designer going like no. Freaking, I want to make a giant $400 Scorpion robot. Color it like Scorpionok, I guess. Like, I, I like that approach. Again, that's the moxie that I like in an unofficial company. I mean, some of that moxie, some of that some of that salt, some of that spitfire. Uh, Seth. Have you ever had moxie? Uh, I've gone to moxie's. The it's beverage. A, oh, no, no. no the, the actual soft drink moxie. It's a soft drink? Yeah. What kind of soft drink? gross <laughs> like is it a lemon lime is it a fruit is it a cola no it's like a pre-cola ah. it's very old like the original recipe is very very old and so i was in i was in a place that was actually selling it that was like holy smokes like i knew moxie was a beverage from the past but i've never seen it i didn't think you could buy it anymore i'm gonna buy a bottle buy a bottle pop it open take a sip oh my god this is awful no wonder <laughs> they don't make it anymore <laughs> Uh, it, and that it, joke of "you've got Moxie, I hate Moxie," that makes more sense now because I hate Moxie too. This is gross. I I, I was thinking of Moxie's as this restaurant chain I used to really love in BC. They bought the Med Grill and they had an excellent menu for years. They're still okay, but they've lost some of that. Hmm. Okay, well, I was gonna say they lost some of that Moxie. I'm not gonna say that. Yeah, it was a long time ago, so I don't remember exactly what it tasted like. But it was it's almost like take a cola. Uh, reduce the sweetness by about three quarters and add a bunch of like herbal kind of flavor to oh it. I've had something like that I've had something like that that sounds really familiar I didn't like yeah. it when I had it <laughs> <laughs> now maybe I'm misremembering because again it was several years ago no that that but... sounds like the I get, like you said like the pre-cola or you know the, the alt-cola kind of flavor uh, unofficial cola Duh, third party coke it's terrible i'd rather buy second party coke that's licensed but i'm not gonna go there I'm not gonna go there leaving that alone second party's the buyer uh seth what's the thing you got this week so off topic i got a robot, a robot. Uh, from diamond select toys hey i got the b9 lost in space robot is that a new release i think it's pretty new cool yeah so he has electronics, lights, and sounds. So when you when you just have him on test mode, which is what he is in the box, and the box has like the little hole cut in the window, so you can press the button. Mm -hmm. um, 
none of the lights come on until you press the button, and then the lights come on, and he says the one thing you want it to say. Danger! Danger, Will Robinson! Excellent. Then when, when it's just straight up on, then like his chest lights are blinking in patterns, and the little lights in his head bubble disc are blinking away. And then he has a whole bunch of lines. And they don't come up randomly. They come up in the same order, which is a bummer. Because if you had them turned off and you're like trying to get to a specific line, you, you better remember which one it comes after. <laughs> because you got to press the button a bunch of times to get to it. But he says a bunch of different things. I'm not going to do them all right now. But here's, here's the first couple. And his his little mouth light <laughs> flashes uh, in sync. That sounds really crisp, uh, at least over you know over a microphone. But that speaker yeah. sounds pretty nice. Yeah. So it doesn't have a hell of a lot of articulation. Well, but neither did the actual suit from the TV show. Yeah, I was about to say it's only so <laughs> much you can do with the B nine robot. <laughs> yeah. So his waist twists. His little head disc thing twists. also raises and lowers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, his claws pints open and closed. And then his arms are like that kind of bendy straw kind of deal. I was, was, was going to ask you like what the joint is like inside of the, the, the outer stuff on those. So it's like... It's, there is no joint. It's just the, the, the ridged plastic. Ah. So you can collapse it short, pull it out... Bend it to different poses. Oh, There's okay, nothing I get inside. It. It's just the empty. You know that noise, yeah. like a bendy straw. That's kind of cool. No, I, I misunderstood you at first. I thought you meant there was like a like a wire in it or something. And I was like, that, I was about to say that seems like a bit much. For no, <laughs> there's no wire in it. Yeah. So I've been wanting a good B9 toy for a while, and it's kind of one of those things where like the only people that were making B9 stuff are like most of the people that make Robbie the Robot stuff, where it's like. Odd proportion, chibi, bobbleheady kind of things. Yeah. Um, my only kind of the the only thing I would have changed if if I'm going to change anything is the box advertises it as at 11 inches. Like all the descriptions on different web stores refer to it as being 10 inches. It's a weird scale. Like I would have liked it if it was a little bit bigger. So it would go well with my 12-inch Robbie the Robot Mm. or a couple inches smaller and go with 6-inch figures. I was going to ask you about the scale with 6-inch figures because I vaguely recall... That was way too big. Okay, because I I remember that the robot prop was pretty big, but I thought like 10 inches seems like too big. No, I have this black label Han Solo on my desk next to it right now. Mm. And Han Solo is about... Will Robinson height. No. Compared to it. <laughs> Young Han Solo. No. Yeah, but if, if it was to scale with that 12-inch Robbie the Robot I have, that would be amazing. Yeah. Because these are two, like, early sci-fi robots. Like, I think Robbie the Robot first appeared in the late 50s. I'm not sure when Forbidden Planet debuted. 
and then Lost in Space was a 60s thing. And then, you know, they used that Robbie the Robot suit in Lost in Space 2. And a lot of people, it's been my experience, get confused and refer to B9 as Robbie the Robot. I, as a, Robbie the Robot, Robbie the Robot, it's a different robot. I used to do that a whole lot until when I was a teenager, uh, the Space Channel ran a marathon of Lost in Space. And I watched like 18 episodes of it in a row. And then I was like, okay, that's not Robbie the Robot. That's a different guy. But then... I got to a part where they started the marathon over again, and I had been watching a bunch of the color episodes where everyone's friends. And then I got to, they started showing like the first episodes where like everyone isn't friends, and I got really confused. Oh, when things were a little more contentious amongst the crew. Yeah, when the doctor was basically a straight up bad guy, and the robot was at times a straight up like scary bad guy thing. Yeah, and I never ever actually saw whatever episodes perhaps exist that would have caused the transition to everyone being friends. I think when they switched the color, did, was it just like a thing where everyone was pals or did they actually have any kind of, uh, a... I, I mean, it's been a long time yeah. since I've watched any lost in space. My guess is at some point, probably around the time they were going to color, they just leaned in on the campy kid friendly kind of aspects and kind of did away with some of the more sinister, schemy, dramatic stuff. Mm. Because, yeah, like, I remember that first episode specifically. Like, Dr. Smith is, he's up to bad news, man. Yeah. And then you get, like, a season or two in, and he's just, like, this campy goofball that's, like, yeah, he's kind of getting into mischief all the time. But he, at the end of the day, everyone goes, oh, Dr. Smith, you idiot. And they all have a laugh. <laughs> Yeah, I I want to. I think I might have even looked it up one one day some years ago and forgot about it all. But I always felt like I remember when I first when I finally actually watched that show on that marathon, like going from the colorized episodes, then going back to the first like three or four. I was like, what what happened? Like, it's it doesn't even feel like the same show, and it's not just because it's in black and white. Like something feels very different. Yeah, it's like maybe they started the show with this idea that it was going to be this more serious drama. Yeah. And then at some point they were like, ah, let's just get silly. Yeah. That's only the kids are the only ones watching the adults aren't paying attention. So let's get silly with it. That's why I always had Let's turn Dr. Smith into a carrot. When, (laughs) when uh, I remember when, because this is also, this was done in, you know, as also a promotional thing for the new lost in space film at the time. And so I remember feeling really happy I had seen those episodes before I saw that film, even though I I, I recall thinking the film kind of sucked when I saw it. I haven't seen it for like a bajillion years now. But in the film, they, they have the whole thing with Dr. Smith not being a nice guy as well. And I was like, oh, that's from the pilot. I remember thinking that when I saw that film in theaters. That's about it. That's all I remember about the movie. Um, That's cool. I was able to find the Diamond Select uh, catalog page for while you were talking about the toy. So when cool. you were playing the uh, when you when you were playing the voice clips, those were all voice clips from its catalog listing. Oh, so I was like, ah, I know he's going to say programming data insufficient. It says uh-huh. right here. Um, any- I turn. I would just pick it up and start playing more clips, but I switched it to the off. So if I turned it back on, it would just play the stuff that I already played. Damn it. Uh, did you get anything else this week? No, I have 
I have some stuff coming, and I thought it would have been here today, but Amazon gave me the business, as I was describing, off mic earlier. Like the whole thing on the Amazon page, like, hey, you want this by Friday? Order now and make sure you select two-day shipping. And then I check the shipping. And it's like, okay, well, this one is going to come Saturday. And this one is going to come Monday. And this one is going to come Tuesday. (laughs) Come on, Amazon. What are you doing to me? Uh, Well, I I got something off topic this week that I could talk about to close up the show. I'm going to send you a picture on Twitter as well. It's going to be labeled what we got this week. But uh, we are about to go into a topic that makes people get mad. So, so you know, this is the end of the the podcast for Uh some of you. Oh, there's a bunch of stuff that gets people mad. So I'm excited to find out what make people mad thing it is. Well, Seth, I sent you a picture on Twitter. Do you do you see it? Um, no, it's oh on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, let me get to Twitter. That's why I wanted. I wanted to let, let you get up to speed go. here on what here I did Twitter. a couple days ago. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> you went to a boxing match. I did. I went to a gentleman's com- a gentleman's contest of fists. Pugilism. Yes. Uh, so a couple months ago, a friend of mine, uh, who I only meet up with every couple of years, because we, you know, we were friends back in elementary school. We still stay in touch, but this is one of those friendships where it's like, hey, it's been a few years. What are you up to? Oh, I don't know. I'm doing this thing. Uh, so my friend Brandon, a couple months ago, just went like, hey, I'm going to be going to see Global Wars in Toronto in May. You want to go see it? And I was like, I don't know what that is. Sure. Um, and I just assumed, whatever, it's probably some indie thing. It's a pro wrestling show. <laughs> Turns out it's just some indie thing. It's like one of them third party wrestling shows. Yeah. Uh, it turns out it was a Ring of Honor event, and it was like part of their big tour they're doing, and it was a four-episode taping, and it turns out the tickets he and his two friends he was going to see it with had gotten were straight up in the front row, right next to the entrance ramp, right behind the announcer table. So I was right up front, and I've never been to a wrestling show live before, except for like once when I was like four. I saw one in Victoria, and I was we were up in like the rafters. I don't even remember any of it, so I basically have never seen a live wrestling show. Uh, so being in the front row for one was, was quite fun. And I had no idea it was for, for television as well. Uh, they were pretty good about keeping the cameras away from parts of the crowd, but because we were right by <laughs> the, uh, we were right from by the announcers. The oh, I have some stories. I have stories for you, Seth, but because we were right behind the announcers at times when they were doing the thing where the camera talks to Kevin Kelly and the other guy, uh, I was, look- <laughs> that's his name. The other guy, I think he I- used to be, a. Low tier wrestler. I don't know day. anything about Ring of Honor, <laughs> which made this even more fun in a way. But also, yeah, meant that- I know. Yeah, I know there is a thing called Ring of Honor, and they have. My understanding is it's a very fast paced style. Yeah, uh, th- that's all I can tell. You. There were people who came out to cut promos, and it was the worst thing ever because I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and wrestling, man, they're talking about wrestling. And also, when you see people cut promos in the ring, where you know, when in, on TV they're like talking right to the camera, yeah, it looks really stupid in person because it means that they're standing in the corner of the ring yelling at a cameraman. <laughs> and when you're watching them from and they and they have their back turned to you while they're doing it, they just look like a crazy person. And eventually, you start going like, "I wish you had stopped talking because I, I I can barely hear you." And I don't care what you're. I don't care about what you're talking about, at all. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like with wrestling shows. Um, the fans seem to always want to be opposite hard camera, 
which means the wrestlers are always going to have their back turned to you for anything interesting because they want like the, the finishing move to be facing the camera. They want any promo talk to be facing the camera, but it seems like the fans want to be on that side because that means they're also facing the camera and then they could go home and watch on their DVRs. Yeah. And look for themselves. And that, I mean, I think that's the side we might've been on. So there's, there's a chance like, I know that when the camera guys were doing over-the-shoulder stuff with the announcers, with entrances, and with one interview, is like basically whenever the camera was pointed at me, I was like, "Well, I'm just going to pull a stupid face if I am here, because that'll be funny." Uh, so there's a chance that on four episodes of Ring of Honor, you might see me behind wrestlers looking really shocked about whatever's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to look. I, so. I tried to look really shocked constantly if I saw the camera pointing in my direction. Um, and I felt at first I was like, oh, I don't want to be one of those guys. But then there were people in the crowd where I was like, I'm, I'm not one of those guys. Those are those guys. Um, but yeah, there was like a big promo cut and the guy's like, I've done bad things and I am who I am. And he kept saying, I am who I am. And I was like, are you selling a t-shirt? Is it Popeye? <laughs> That's what one of my, but one of the people I went with started saying, it was like, he's just saying Popeye's line. Like, and then, and then after he, he went to leave the ring. He steps through the ropes. He's dropped the mic. He turns to the announcers and just stops and he just goes like, I am who I am. And I was like, all right, you are who you are. And I don't know who you are. And go away. <laughs> uh, and then you inadvertently start a chant. <laughs> the whole crowd starts chanting. There's a, there's, I don't know who you are. Go away. There's, it's really, really neat to see that stuff live in ways that I did not expect. Like, there's a few things I pulled from this experience. Number one, so and these are all things that I saw live that having seen, you know, wrestling on TV or on YouTube, I just didn't catch really as much. Uh, number one, wrestlers are really good at theatrical spitting when they get hit. <laughs> like, really good at it. Constantly. Number two, wrestling is loud. And I'm not talking about the crowd. I'm talking about whenever they hit each other. It's deafening. And it, it, it makes the live experience actually pretty cool because, you you know, you start you go in assuming having watched it on TV. Oh, there's mics under the ring and, you know, it's all and they, they hit each other in the chest. They're kind of cupping their hands. So it makes a loud noise, whatever that like that loud noise is actually really, really loud. And then there's like and the, that's the same kind of clap you hear if they're like kicking each other. But then there's this different noise if they're like hitting each other with their forearms where it just sounds like two. It's like a worse noise where it's like <laughs> two really dense packed pieces of meat are thudding against each other and it sounds like the birth of a bruise and then there was a time there was a point where a guy got thrown over the top rope and he landed on like you know the the safety mat on the concrete and this was on the side of the ring opposite me so he just fell out of view right except i was that far away and the crowd was really loud but i heard him hit the floor and it sounded awful and I, I was like, all right, that was pretty loud as well. Um, the third thing I pulled is that everyone within about 30 seconds of their match starting, the backs of like all of everyone's back was bright pink before they hit the one minute <laughs> mark. Uh, and also the hitting the ring is really loud. And sometimes it's really, really loud and it makes it really cool. Like, it was really fun to watch. Also, wrestlers are huge. Did you, I don't know if you know this, Seth, but they're actually really large people. And then you have these people who look like really large football players then doing backflips. And in person, that looks really cool. Uh, so it was fun. It was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it's funny. Like, you watch wrestling on TV where they're all huge. And you start thinking, like, it's like, oh, Shawn Michaels isn't that big. Like, look at him. He looks like just a little fella next to that Undertaker guy. Yeah. And then you see, like, uh, an interview or a picture of Shawn Michaels just standing next to a just a normal, everyday person. And you're like, he's like a gigantic bodybuilder, man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's massive. Like there was, there were guys who stayed, like there was a guy called Moose and he's like six and a half feet tall and he's like gigantic. And then he did a drop kick where he jumped like six and a half feet up and it looked crazy. And I was like, well, that's a big guy. And he's fighting a small guy. Then the small guy like walked past me and I was like, that small guy was still much larger than I am. (laughs) He was just standing next to an even larger guy. Yeah. And you're not an insignificant person. No. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm of average height and build, you know, like, I think like, I'm not a small person. Then like this guy who in a distance looks small walks past me. I'm like, oh, his arms are bigger than my head. (laughs) And that's saying something. (laughs) It's right. I have a pretty large head. Uh, Yeah, it was was super fun. Uh, I'm trying to think of some things I wanted to tell you about this. I was was all set. Like, I was actually, I was avoiding posting about this on Twitter so I could just drop it on you while we were recording. Yeah. but I think you mentioned that you were going to a Ring of Honor show a while ago, and I just forgot. That's what I was. That's what I was like <laughs> clinching on. I was like, I hope he forgot when I mentioned it way back. I did uh, because I don't listen to you. I was. I was. I'm already thinking about Mass Effect again. No, come, come back, Seth. <laughs> when, when I, so I looked at the card right like the night before to see if I recognized any names, and the only name I really recognized was Kenny Omega because I've seen him on YouTube. Ooh. And so like he was the leader of Bullet Club, and I was like, oh, yeah, I heard he, about Bullet he Club. He took over when they. Sent AJ Styles packing. Yeah, so like the whole, like all four episodes, it was all about Bullet Club being mischievous. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't know anyone else from Bullet Club, but the, one of the other guys, going by the signs I saw in the crowd, did lots of super kicks. And then they, they ended the oh, night. Oh, that's the Young Bucks. Yeah. Super Kick City, bitch. He did six super kicks in a row and like made a whole it was like a whole bit and it was really fun to watch cuz he like super kicked three people and then a guy jumped at him and he super kicked him and then another guy was outside of the ring so he like did this huge show of leaping out of the ring and just sort of landed calmly and super kicked him it was pretty cool uh, i think one of those guys got hurt i think i saw something earlier one of the young bucks is injured yeah, I I just all I knew is he was the guy from Bullet Club who looked kind of like Shawn Michaels. That was about it. Like there's Kenny Omega, there's the guy with the noose, the two guys with face paint, and then the Shawn Michaels guy with super kicks, and that was about it. Uh, so while I was there, uh, I got to hear some of the really irritating part of wrestling fans as well, and it was sort of fun hearing parts of the crowd turn on them. Like there was there was some guy who really wanted to start a super dragon chant. And he was going oh, like yeah, Super Dragon, and then there was a, another guy right behind him who just started chanting, "He's not here!" Like as the <laughs> offbeat. And then at one point, there was a guy about five seats away from us who sat. This is near the end of the night, and he sounded soused, and he just like started yelling, "Hey, Kevin Kelly!" Because that was apparently one of the commentators, and he just started going, like, "Kevin Kelly, you're terrible!" And just started like yelling at him, and it wasn't like he just yelled a thing and then laughed. He did this long, loud, drunken, prolapsed, like, rant at Kevin Kelly, who wasn't looking at him, for, like, one and a half minutes straight. (laughs) Going, like, why couldn't they poach someone better for commentary like JBL? And it's just, like, screaming at him. 
And JBL's I, awful. <laughs> so that's what one of the people I went with said. Because I was like, is that a good guy? And he's like, no, JBL's awful. I was like, all right. I, I, everyone told me he was awful. Um, so it was super cool. And then we left, like, the, the last match finished. And then we left while they were doing a big, like, the one of the Briscoe guys was like, we're going to say something to say here. And they were starting to do this big talking part. And then everyone I was there with said, we should just go. So we left while the, the Briscoe guy was yelling about how great he is and his brother is. Um, but it was really cool. Uh, I, so I, I don't know what dates or what episodes they would be. But uh, if you watch Ring of Honor, keep an eye out from their Toronto shows. I might be in the background looking really shocked or laughing a lot. That was that was my adventure uh, two days ago. I wonder if that was the same show that this dude from the Young Bucks supposedly was hurt at. He didn't. I didn't think he. I didn't. He didn't look like he got hurt. Uh, one, oh, one of the oh, I was gonna tell you, one of the ringside photographers got got really badly hurt. Uh, that was one of the things I really enjoyed was watching all the parts of wrestling that are off shot, like outside of the frame. Uh-huh. So there are all these ring crew people who are constantly picking up, like, stuff thrown at the ring and, like, collecting costume pieces and running them to the back. Uh, and But they're all also having to stay in character if wrestlers walk past them. Um, but then, like, there was a ringside photographer, and some guy got thrown over the, the top rope, and the photographer didn't get out of the way in time, and the wrestler basically landed on him. And so this photographer got knocked over, cupped his camera so it wouldn't break... Then he fell back and he landed on his back on the actual concrete and not on the safety mat. Oh. And this guy, like, looked really hurt. And it took him, like, a good minute to get up. And he looked like he was... He looked like he really damaged his back quite badly while he was taking photos after that. And I was like, man, they're not even going to show that on TV. And, like, that guy, like, I think took the hardest hit of anyone that whole night. So I felt bad for that photographer. Uh, Also, I forgot, there was a moment when I totally fanboyed out, because there were people there that I didn't know were going to be there, and at one point, they had this tag match, and some guy came out, it was like this little dude called Cheeseburger, I don't know anything about him, Uh, but then they announced his partner, and they start playing the anime theme song from the Jushin Liger cartoon from the 80s, and I'm like, oh, is some dummy going to come out wearing like Jushin Liger's mask or something? And then frigging Jushin Liger comes out. And when I was a teenager, I thought Jushin Liger was the coolest guy ever. So I flipped out for a second. And I was like, oh my god, it's Jushin Liger. And he's like 51. And he kind of looks it. But he's also still like a kooky dude who looks like a superhero. <laughs> and uh, and that was pretty cool. So I saw a wrestling for the first time. And it was pretty neat. Yeah, I I have yet to see a live wrestling show. I found out that there was some weird little indie wrestling show here in Petaluma about a week after it happened. I was like, man, we could have just gone to the Phoenix Theater and seen some, like, danger level stuff. Because <laughs> if I've learned anything from watching Botchamania videos, is if they cut to something happening in, like, a school gym, someone probably broke their neck. <laughs> Hey, you could have seen something horrible, and you could have taken a, a a telephone video and put it on YouTube. Yeah, then I could have been the botchamania. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if any you know if anyone doesn't hate wrestling and ever gets a chance to see something live, like it is way different live, and it's kind of cool, especially now when the whole attitude about it is that you know it's it's very uh, it's it's all very self aware 
You know, it's, it's there's no longer any attempt to hide the fact that it's it's a performance less than it is a contest. Uh, it makes it makes it really fun to watch because it's, I don't know, especially like with the people who were at this show, there it was it was very just like kooky and kind of fun, and it wasn't trying to take itself super seriously, and I, I really enjoyed that part of it. I was just arguing to my girlfriend last night that I wish wrestling would take things a little more seriously and not be so open with the work of it all. And I kind of feel like NXT is that a little bit more. Like a lot of the storylines are more based on the motivation of I want the belt, you got the belt. Or I want the belt, but I have to beat all you people to become the number one contender to get the belt. Mm Mm-hmm. And a lot less storylines based on, like, uh, there's been a personal affront, or you kissed my girl, or whatever. Um, And I just, I kind of wish they would play it straight a little bit more. Because, you know, it's like, you go to a movie, and Iron Man isn't winking to the camera every once in a while, going like, yeah, this is all weird, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't worry about it. It's all fake. It's all pretensies. What, what I what I meant actually is in line with what you're talking about. I might have worded it badly, but like, okay. what I mean is like they weren't trying to portray. They weren't telling me like these guys are actually punching each other. Like it was very showmanshipy, but uh-huh. like it was also primarily just these two guys are fighting because they need to move up in the rankings. And like it's just, that's what I mean. It's like I like it when it's just there's silliness to it, but it's it's not like. Yeah. Trying to lean, it's not going like, hey man, is this really real? Or we know you all know it's real, but we're gonna play it like it's real, real. It's like, no, there's a dude called Dalton Castle who wears like a crazy peacock cape. And like, there's a thing he did that's just hard to explain, uh, but it was really funny. It was like this this wrestler thing where like two guys will like look at each other and kind of tilt their head. So he would do that, but he'd keep tilting his head and leaning back, and he'd just keep doing it. <laughs> and then eventually he's like, he's like leaning so far back, his upper body is like completely horizontal to the ground. And then he just sort of falls back on his shoulder and just keeps staring at the guy. I don't know. It was really, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, whoever, the guy, Dalton Castle, that was like, I think my favorite dude of that whole thing. Like he was way into whatever his character was in this really kind of fun way super intense and kind of ridiculous um but yeah i had fun and uh that's basically the podcast so thanks for tuning in everybody and uh we'll talk to you later seth thanks for joining me hey no problem thanks for sitting through all that talk about the 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 dumb thing i went to see yeah it was pretty dumb you're dummy yeah i'm working i'm just glad my allergies mellowed out a little bit or, like, I would not have been able to do this earlier today. I thought you were going to say, or I'd have been really mad. Oh, yeah. I would have challenged my allergies to a steel cage match. Oh, no! Chicago street fight rules. Texas death match. Punjabi prison rules. I found the guy who cut the stupid promo. His name is Steve Carino. And and he didn't do anything. That any- sounds vaguely familiar. He didn't do anything else that whole night. He, like there was one point where some guy he's gonna fight went like, "You suck!" And then Steve Carino was in the crowd and he jumped out of the crowd and ran at the guy and he was like, "Let's fight right now!" And then they're like, "Yeah," at the pay per view and then like walked off. And then he came out and did this <laughs> promo where he's like, "I am who I am," and he just rambled for like five minutes and it made no sense. And I was like, "I don't." 
Go away. Bring out the, the kooky guy with the peacock cape. That guy was more fun. So now, once it was a TV taping for, what did you say, four episodes? Yep. So did you end up seeing the same people multiple times? A couple times, yeah. And uh, in between each episode, the the announcer guy, in a very unscummy way, went like, hey, we're starting a new episode, so if we could get everyone like standing up and making some noise for our opening shot, that would be super cool. Uh, so we had to do that like three times, and I was like, that's kind of funny that we're like pretending like we just got here. Yeah, like when I first started watching NXT, or not too long after, um, I heard a thing, or I was listening to a thing, and they were talking about how they'll they'll tape multiple episodes in a single night, and I'm like, oh, that's why I keep seeing the same big head guy in the front row. Yeah. Um, and then they were saying like, and sometimes you could tell when you're watching an episode that was later that night. Because the crowd is just way more subdued. Yeah. <laughs> because they don't want to chant the same thing for the same person that they're now seeing for the third time. <laughs> the The way these guys did their thing, it was neat because they still made the biggest thing the end of the event. But it was also like the end of the fourth episode. So they, they structured whatever they were doing so that there was still kind of a big climax for the live crowd. Uh-huh. But there were times also where I was like, I wonder if there are going to be continuity errors that I know about now. Like, there's some guy called Kyle O'Reilly, and he was, like, he was fighting a guy, but he also had, like, a mouth guard on the whole time, because, like, that was part of his gimmick, because he's, like, a martial artist. Kylo O'Ren. That's right. <laughs> but he, he had this blue mouth guard, and at the end of the match, when he, like, finally got beaten, he took this really big punch to the face, and, like, he felt, he crumpled, and then, like, the mouth guard fell out of his mouth. And then, like, the ref picked it up. And handed Gross. it to the ring announcer. Gross. And then the ring announcer <laughs> handed it to the bell ringer. Gross. And I was like, oh, God. And then All they, those people have the flu now. <laughs> and then they just left the mouth guard sitting on the table where the ring bell was. And then it was sitting there at the end of one episode. And it was still sitting there at the beginning of another episode. And, like, everyone on the crew was making sure it didn't get thrown away. Like, they were hanging on to it. And I was like, "You're not. he's not going to wear it again, is he? Because that's super gross now. <laughs> like, four people have held it, and he had it in his mouth for an entire thing. And then it was just sitting on the mat for a while. Like, don't use it again. Throw it away. Yeah. Well, there's there's a, a handful of wrestlers now that all wear mouth guards, and I, it's weird to me. Um, like, Neville will usually have, like, a blue or something mouth guard, and it's like, yeah, oh, there's this blue thing in his mouth. But now Shinsuke Nakamura in NXT wears a black mouth guard, and it just looks like he doesn't have any teeth. <laughs> and if there's one thing I could change about Shinsuke Nakamura is, if you're going to use a mouth guard, please don't use a black one. Also, I don't know what you're doing with your hands. <laughs> he does this thing where, like, he crosses wrists... And then, like, he has, like, two fingers sticking out on each hand, and he just, like, shakes them like he's having a fit. And I know it's part of his thing, but it's the one part of his thing that when he does it, I go, that's a weird thing. It's <laughs> a weird thing that he's, what are you doing? That's it's just, bad. like, he has these little convulsions. <laughs> that's just his strong style powering up, you know, he's getting ready yeah, I guess to... so. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to cap the recording here. Uh, yeah, thanks not? for all listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye.
Good means put you down some badass perpetrators now here to stay.